Welcome into UGA Football Live with J.C. Shelton, where the dogs come to talk. Special guests Arthur Lynch, Aaron Murray, Mark Rick, Travars King, Chris Burnett, Brandon Boykin, Rennie Curran, Keith Marshall, Malcolm Mitchell. What's up, everyone, and welcome in. Got a great off-season episode for you this week. Got Rylan Goaty, a Georgia tight end, on the show. Um, joins me to talk everything. Talk Georgia national title, talk spring football, um, talk his workouts right now, um, his injury he sustained during spring training, how he's coming back for that. Um, and then, of course, how he feels going into next season and what we should we expect Georgia football. That was a great conversation, and I appreciate him for coming on. So we get to that in just a minute, but I got to talk about what everybody else is talking about right now in college football. And if you're not, if you're living under a rock, I've got the breakdown for you right here. To put it simply, Nick Saban is is crying like a teenage boy, um, and then Jimbo Fisher uh, is really just taking the opportunity to be mad. I mean, he's just he he's taking the opportunity. Nick Saban threw some shots at Texas A&M about NIL stuff, and Jimbo's just reacting like a volcano, to be honest. Um, so this really occurred over the weekend, and it was I've never seen anything like this in college football, and it comes at a time, at a new time in college football, right? In the NIL name, image, and likeness world that we are living in, um, that had just started this past season, right? Because NIL was introduced uh, right before the fall. So this is really, we're still in the baby stages of this. Baby steps, right? Um, And Nick Saban (laughs) came out and named Jimbo Fisher, of course, who coached with him at LSU, and then also Deion Sanders of Jackson State. Um, So Jackson State got the number one overall recruit, Travis Hunter, uh, just a couple of years ago. And he accused Deion and Jackson State of giving him a million dollars to go to school there, and then said Texas A&M finished first in recruiting, he said Alabama finished second, and he said Texas A&M paid every one of their players um, with NIL deals to get them in. And this was a televised conference with a bunch of local Alabama business owners. Weird time to do it, but of course Nick Saban just kind of sprouts off, names these guys, and then Jimbo Frischer holds a press conference, goes in on Nick Saban. It's all up on UJWire.com. Wrote a story on it chronicling everything. Um, even Deion Sanders' responses and Travis Hunter responded. Um, a lot going on in that, but it's all on UJWire.com if you want to check it out. Or UJWire on Instagram. A little shameless plug. But yeah, so this is absolutely hilarious, first off. I'm enjoying it. Um, you know, content is hard to reach right now in the off season for the most part, but this is a beautiful, beautiful occurrence for you college football fans that just want some drama in your life. Um, really funny. You know, it really struck me the way Jimbo Fisher is responding. Like, his poop doesn't stink. Really, that's what he's he's trying to convey, um, saying that all of Nick Saban's accusations are false and, and this and that. Listen, I've heard some insiders talk about Texas A&M's dealings, and he's definitely not without fault here. Um, there's some shady stuff going on with boosters in NIL. And we just saw the NCAA come down and try to create a rule, you know, retroactively. We talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago, retroactively enforcing rules that boosters can't just pay guys and call it NIL, right? That's what they're trying to enforce. Well, Texas A&M and Alabama, these are two programs that I've heard that do this, uh, quite frankly. Um, boosters are, are trying to give money for, you know, guys in the transfer portal, guys coming in, high-level recruits and calling it NIL. I mean, some of them own businesses, so that's, you know, the kind of avenue they take. But, you know, all this recruiting stuff has gone on for a long time as far as shady dealings. Money on the table. Um, Georgia has its own 
issues and, and occurrences there. You know, we're aware of those. Um, and it's, it's just interesting to see how Jimbo Fisher responded. Dion responded kind of the same way um, as far as, you know, that's blatantly false. Uh, and then Travis Hunter responded, the number one recruit a couple of years ago, saying his mom still lives in like a three-bedroom house with kids. Um, how does he make a million? And the SEC commissioner, Greg Sankey, comes down, reprimands both Fisher and Saban, saying that, you know, they're not supposed to say this stuff. You know, you're not supposed to, you know, comment on, uh, on other teams, other programs like this. Nick Saban is just reacting to the new world of college football um, and that, you know, guys can go to the portal for guys and get NIL deals for guys in the portal to get them to their school or recruits the same way. Um, and Nick Saban doesn't like it. And he's mad that Texas A&M finished on top and, you know, finished with one of the best recruiting classes ever. What if you look at it, I mean, Texas A&M did not have a great season last year, eight and four. Um, Jimbo Fisher can't seem to win the big games. And then he has, you know, the best ever recruiting class ever recorded the year the NIL starts. So that's kind of fishy. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, if you can't sit there, if Fisher can't say it's fishy, pun intended, then I don't know what he's thinking and what he's trying to pull over everybody's eyes because we can all see this. I mean, you can sit there and deny all you want, but we know it's happening. And so this is all really just drama to me. A couple of kids going at it, I guess. And then Kirby Smart's just sitting back there and he has to feel good about himself. I mean, coming off a national title, gets one for the dogs, his alma mater, um, a couple of what, you know, top three recruiting classes, like four or five, no, five years in a row now. And then he has this going on between two of the best coaches in the league. Um, he can only benefit from this, in my opinion, from the view of, of recruits of his own team. Um, I, so I really think Kirby's Marsh is sitting in the corner laughing with that trophy in hand. So it's really, really interesting time in college football right now. We'll see if any um, repercussions as far as the league, um, the NCAA try to come down and kind of enforce things or look into things from the comments and accusations that were made. And as the situation develops, we'll definitely cover that for you guys. Uh, but now we're going to get into my conversation with Ryland Goaty, Georgia tight end and national champion. What's up, guys? Welcome in. Got a special guest for you guys today. Georgia tight end again. I mean, we just had John Fitzpatrick on and now Ryland Goaty joins the show. Ryland, first off, man, how are things? I, I, I think you got a big event coming up. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, JC, first of all, thanks for having me, my man. Um, the big event we got going on is June 11th, uh, Saturday morning. Um, we're really excited to do our, our camp with the champs. Uh, it'll be myself, Brock Bowers, Nolan Smith, Gunnar Stockton, Brett Scyther, and Dan Jackson um, at my local high school where I graduated, Kennesaw Mountain. And um, we're doing a just a, a small little camp deal for kids first through eighth grade. Um, we got some flyers on our on our social medias. Um, so just really excited to kind of give back to the community a little bit there and um, just excited to, to meet some of the fans. Awesome. Awesome. I'm sure that'll be fun. A lot of good players and good talent to learn from a lot of skilled guys that kids can jump in on and learn a lot of good things at a young age. Make sure you hit up Ryland's social media and also UGA Wire. We'll promote it as well. I'm excited for that, guys. So, Ryland, obviously, national championship season. First off, why do you not introduce yourself as a national champion? I mean, I, this, that's the first thing I would do. Hey, my name's Ryland Goody, national champion. How are you? Is that is that how you how you're introducing yourself now or not? Honestly, man, it's still such a, a surreal feeling. Um, it's something as a you know as a kid growing up, you dream of playing for the Georgia Bulldogs, being from Georgia, and then winning a national championship. And now that we've done it, 
it's still it's like i know we're six months out but or five months out but it still hasn't hit me yet um i'll i'll go to certain events and people will ask to see my ring and i'm like i totally forgot i had a ring like that's i gotta i gotta start bringing it um but it's definitely something that um people ask about a lot so uh it definitely comes up in conversation quite quite often yeah i'm sure and i, I would lock that thing in a safe man i wouldn't be like oh i have a ring yeah you, you can't know where it is it's locked away exactly that thing's always special occasions uh, but you know as a guy who you grew up watching georgia football as well it feels the same way for me and you know, like you people talk about it i was like ah i remember it happened but at the same time did it happen is when's it gonna sink in it's just it's it's definitely surreal so i'm with you on that as far as like winning that national title uh when it happened can you just maybe explain to me the moment you know, okay, we're we're national champions. So fourth quarter at the end of the game, was it the pick six? What was that moment for you? And describe it to the listeners if you can. That man, that whole that whole game was a roller coaster of emotions. Um, and I would say, um, you know, our whole motto for that week, every every Friday we kind of have a meeting and and going into the weekend, going into game week, kind of figuring out what what's our mindset going to be, whatever. Um, and our, our our motto for that week was burn the boats, right? So we were. You know, there's a, there's a story about the conquistadors and they get to Mexico and the, I can't remember who it was, but the guy burns all of his boats and they're getting ready to go attack in Mexico. And he burns all of his boats so that his soldiers don't have a way to get back. And it's like, they either have to win this battle or it's over. And so they have no option. And so that was our motto was burn the boats. And throughout the game, there were so many things that didn't go our way. Uh, you, you got the fumble to begin the game. They called an incomplete pass. You got Stetson's fumble that arguably should have been an incomplete pass. Um, a lot of things like that. And we just kind of kept chopping. And then, when Keeley, when first of all, when AD caught that touchdown in the back of the end zone, that was a, a surreal moment because something we've been working on all year was you know hard cat hard hard counting the defense. So going on two um, and getting them to jump off sides, and we'd struggled with that a little bit in practice. And finally, um, we did it and got them off sides. And AD scored. And when AD scored, it was kind of like okay. And then when Keeley caught the interception, it was like unbelievable. The most adrenaline I've ever felt in my entire life times 10. Um, and I mean, I've never, I've played a lot, a lot of games. I've, you know, my freshman year, we, we hosted Notre Dame. It was the first, the first game where we kind of had the red LED lights in the fourth quarter. So that was a surreal moment. This one, dude, man, the, the, the entire stadium was shaking. Um, so yeah, I would say 80s, 80s touchdown was a big, a big point. Brock scoring again was a big point, and then Keeley's interception um, was huge. All right, so clock clock strikes zero. Where'd you go? What'd you do? First thought. Well, we still had probably – it was right before Nolan sacked to end the game. Um, we had a line of fans behind us throwing us cigars from the, from the, state, or from the seats. So all of us are just snatching uh, the cigars, trying to find a lighter, getting ready to go, and then – Man, as soon as as soon as the clock struck zero, we all ran out to midfield and just kind of enjoying the moment together, um, smoking a couple of cigars and just enjoying it. Yeah, though, no, shout out to those fans. I don't know if you're listening, Dude. but congratulations for uh, providing the goods. Oh, uh, to big the time! Team. Yeah, way, way to be a big time contributor there to Georgia football. Uh, but that that's awesome to to hear, you know, yeah. because you ha- everybody has their own experiences. The guys we talk to, and then the fans have their own experiences. But it's just a surreal moment because it's been so long. And you have people who've never seen a championship for this team in their lifetime. And then it happens. And like you said, we're talking about we don't even believe it happened. And it's months later. Um, so who, who knows when it'll set in? Maybe that that first kickoff here um, in, in Sanford in the fall um, yeah. along those lines. So we just got out of spring ball, obviously. And what, what are some of your takeaways? I know you you had a much bigger 
you know, workload on you because of injuries, right, to Brock Bowers and yeah. Darnell. How was that? Did you enjoy maybe getting to step in and really taking a lot of reps and stuff? What are some things that you might have learned and developed over that time? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my, you know, I'm a, a junior right now, getting ready to be a senior, and and unfortunately had a, a ton of injuries um, while being here. I think I've had five or six surgeries and just kind of been through been through the ringer. Um, and with Brock and Darnell going down this spring, I was really excited to kind of split um, some reps with Brett Scyther, my good buddy. Um, so we were kind of, um, splitting some really, really quality reps. Um, felt like I was playing really good. feel like I'm, some things are starting to click again. I'm starting to trust my body. Um, and then of course, seven, six practices in, um, I messed up my MCL. So then I was out for, uh, the last two and a half weeks. And then, um, I'm almost fully back. I should be back ready to go, um, mm-hmm. come June, June 1st. But honestly, the biggest thing that I've learned is, um, you know, getting those reps and then also just sitting the bench the last two and a half years is there's different roles for everybody. And each team, you have to have guys that are willing to be a role player. And I think that's something that last season, a lot of guys were able to to take on and accept. And um, I, I credit that to one of our biggest um, traits for success was we had guys that were able to accept roles. And, and I'm just learning how to do that. And hopefully, you know, the goal is obviously to get out there and play. But if it's not your time, you, you got to be, you know, OK with that. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody plays their part. Right. So 11 man, a lot of guys on the roster, everybody has a part in in the plays. Right. So as far as what you've seen from the quarterbacks, you know, working with them closely during the spring and, and for a few years now, what are you seeing from those guys? I know Stetson Stetson's the man, right? He led it to a national championship. He's healthy, so should be good to go as far as starter goes. But, you know, there's a lot of guys in waiting as well, developing really talented guys like Carson Beck and, and Brock Vandegrift, now Gunnar Stockton, who's going to be at that camp in your event. Um, what are you seeing from those guys and positives? Yeah, man, absolutely. Like, I'll tell you what, our, our quarterback room has is, is got to be if if not if it's not the best in the country it's it's one of the best um it's so deep and and just filled with so many quality guys that just know the game really really well and Stetson's done a great job of mentoring those guys um you know Carson is just a freak of an arm um just a really really good quarterback Brock we call him the the wild mustang because he just makes all the crazy plays um he's got his hair flowing out of his helmet you know the whole deal um really excited about Gunner uh he showed some good things um this spring so the whole room is just is is filled with a lot of talent even even some of the walk-ons we have are just awesome um so it's it's nice to know that even if you're going with the second third or even the practice squad those guys are going to get the job done and um you know those guys could step up and play if we needed them to so and you know another addition a really notable addition is Eric Gilbert um he's gonna play that tight end position it looks like but He's one of those guys who can he can kind of do it all um, from that standpoint as, as a pass catcher. Um, anything that you've noticed about him and his return and, and you know getting acclimated to the offense and you know game shape, you know that's a whole different thing yeah. in conditioning, right? So anything from Eric Gilbert that stood out to you over the spring? I know he's he's gearing up for a fall. Man, Eric, the first thing about him is just he's just such a hard worker. I mean, the dude is a grinder and he's such a good kid too. Um, and he's a freak of nature. That dude is, I mean, he's got to be 265, like 9%, 10% body fat, just an absolute freak. Um, and just really proud of him for, um, you know, getting back into shape this spring. And, and I mean, you guys saw it on G Day being able to contribute. Um, and he, he's done a really, really good job of, uh, attacking that and attacking, getting in shape and learning the playbook again and just, you know, locking all the main things down that he needs to do. And he's done a great job of that. Yeah. That's good to hear, you know, cause he was, he had that time he was taken to himself, but it's great to hear that he's back and being able to work hard at something like that is really, it's really good to keep your mind straight and, and, and get ready for the NFL draft. Cause he has that prospect in him. 
As far as, so I've got one question here. So I talked to John uh, Fitzpatrick and he was talking about a couple of guys on the defensive line who are, you know, new additions, early enrollees, Michael Williams and Marvin Jones. These guys are, are playing pretty well. Is there somebody who stands out to you on the defensive side of the ball that maybe Georgia fans should keep in mind for next year as far as a guy who maybe is not getting a lot of, of heat right now, but could step into a, a big role? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I mean, I think you mentioned it was Michael. Michael is just a freak of nature. Um, he, I mean, he early enrolled and he looks the part already. Um, it's it's crazy these days. Some of these guys, man, they just they're built so differently and, and they're so talented. Um, but I would definitely say Michael was um, one of those guys that people need to look out for because he, he kind of you know when I first saw him, I was like, man, that's that's Trayvon Walker. Like that's exactly where my mind went. Um, and I think throughout these next couple of years, he'll be an exciting, exciting player to watch for sure. Yeah. And that that's kind of what John said as well. He echoed that. And, you know, number one overall pick and compared to him is not a bad thing at all. Michael. It's pretty good comparison. Yeah. 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 And let's speak on offense then. Um, I know you kind of work closely as a tight end and inline guy as well. You work closely with the offensive line, you know, Georgia's missing, going to be missing uh, a couple of key players up there up front, right? And Justin Schaefer, Jamari Salyer. Um, what, what are you seeing from these guys? What's some names we should be watching for who are competing for that that guard and that tackle position that we know, but a guy that you 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 say who's playing really well? It's a great question as well. Um, you know, Georgia football is built in the trenches, and um, we lost some guys to the league, but that happens every year. I would say it'll be big to get Tate, Tate Rattledge back healthy. Um, he's, he's a freak. Um, I would also say uh, Ernest would did, a, did a really good job for us this spring. Um, looked really good. Uh, just a big old guy. Um, Project Jones is going to be huge on the edge for us. Um, but, yeah, those are kind of the three guys that kind of just come to mind. But the whole – the great thing about our offensive line is everybody is so talented and it's so deep. Um, even the young guys are just are, – have already matured, especially the early enrollees have already matured. Um, beyond their beyond their years and beyond their six months that they've had so far at Georgia. Um, but the whole room is so talented that, to be honest with you, you asked for a couple of names, but like we have guys that no one really knows about that I feel like could go in and, and do the job. Um, and that's the best thing about our, our scout teams as well is we have guys on the scout teams that there are some weeks our scout team, we feel like, can compete with, uh, you know, some division one teams. And we and we feel pretty confident about that. And that's the best thing about Georgia is you can you can recruit deep like that. Yeah, yeah, dudes everywhere. Just dudes absolutely everywhere. everywhere. Yeah, so it doesn't yeah. really matter who steps in, according to Ryland, but uh, they're going to get the job done, it sounds like. So that's good to hear. Uh, I'm going to ask you about something that's really – I'm, I'm writing a story on it right now. It's kind of, uh, it, it's it's really funny. It's like drama, right? NIL drama. Nick Saban, I don't know if you've seen Nick Saban just calling out Jimbo Fisher and, and oil money, Texas oil money. Um, and then Deion Sanders responding on Twitter and, and Jimbo, we're waiting on his response. Tell us, is there anything going on as far as what you get told from, you know, maybe the heads in the locker room, the guys who are experienced, the coaches about this NIL stuff and, and how to navigate it? Because it's kind of all over the place, the wild, wild west of college sports right now. Um, I know the NCAA passed um, um, some legislation the other day. I think last week it was to try to you know, retroactively go back and talk about boosters and what they're doing with these guys. What, what can you speak on there? I'm not trying to get you in trouble. Don't say anything you're not supposed to, but I mean, anything you can add here. Yeah, man, it's a, um, you know, it's, it's, it's fortunate that we're able to, to, to be able to profit off of our name, image and likeness. Now um, I would say, you know, first things first in Georgia, we worry about winning. It's football first. Uh, if you win, 
things will take care of itself. And that was, you know, that was, we've had, you know, being at Georgia, we've also been fortunate to where uh, we've been provided with uh, classes and meetings on NIL and how to handle it and how to go about it, which has been awesome. Been able to inform a lot of the guys, uh, myself included, on, you know, what to do, what not to do, how to handle it, what's right, what's wrong, what you can, what you can't do. Um, but in every single one of those meetings, it's been established that the first thing first at the University of Georgia is we're playing football. And, you know, if you handle that, the rest will take care of itself. Um, yeah, that's that's really all I got for that. I understand. No problem. This is hilarious, though, just looking at all the coaches um, responding to each other on Twitter and social media. It's a, it's a new age yeah. in college football. We've never seen this. It is crazy to see what it's turned into and how fast it's just like, I mean, it's just skyrocketed. It's like it's got a jetpack on its back. It's crazy how three years ago this was still a discussion and now it's happening and you're seeing coaches kind of get after each other a little bit. Exactly. No, it'll make for a great fall though, as far as storylines and tension. Oh, oh my goodness. Yes. I, I'm a, so I'm a, I'm a Grady major journalism. So I'm right there with you on the whole storyline and there's, there's going to be some, some, some juice in the fall. That's for sure. Hello, Grady, man. Congratulations. Heck yeah. Appreciate wow, we got that. a, we got a call full of champions right here. That's, that's great. <laughs> college baby. Um, shout yeah. out sports media. Are you in the sports media program too? I am. Yep. Awesome, am. man. Yeah. Yeah. That's me as well. Well, I got out of there last year, but that's, that's awesome. It's a lot of fun. Um, tell Mr. Suggs what's up for me. Um, <laughs> I will. I will. <laughs> no, it's been great, Ryland. One more question for you. If you had to pick one guy from Georgia's roster right now to be your NBA playoffs going right now, right? To be your Steph Curry, to be your you know, Jokic, to be that guy on a team, to do it all on the court, who would it be? I got to go with my boy Brock Powers. I mean, really? Dude, oh, man, the, the, the dude just does it all. Um, and I think what's, what's biggest about him is he doesn't shy away from the big moments. Um, and he stays humble through the big moments. And so he handles it really well, uh, which I think allows him to perform in those moments. So I dude, Brock is, if I had, if I got the game on the line, if I need a guy to, to get it done, I'm going Brock Bowers hundred percent. Yeah, I don't blame you at all. I mean, the athletic ability for that kid is ridiculous. Oh Stupid, my gosh, dude. I know. Just why? I wish God blessed us, everybody, with dude. this. <laughs> what? Where did this come from, man? I don't know what they're feeding him, but uh, I need to get on that. Some of the guys that we have, I look at my parents and I'm like, "Darn, <laughs> you guys!" I mean, I can't complain. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm part of the team, but we have some just absolute freaks of nature on the team, man. It's crazy. Yeah, that's Georgia football, baby. But we like it. Yeah, it We're is. champions. Um, hey, enjoy your day, Rylan. I really appreciate you coming on, man, and joining us. Um, again, guys, check out Rylan's social and UGA Wire as well. We're, we're promoting his camp, so make sure to check that out. Yes, sir. Thanks, JC. Big thanks to Rylan there for coming on. Really enjoyed that conversation. I hope you guys did as well. Um, as always, please check us out, ujwire.com, all your Georgia football coverage, ujwire on Instagram, and UGA Football Live on Twitter. We're there. Feel free to reach out and let us know what you think of the show. Uh, rate, subscribe, and review if you can, or re-rate, re-subscribe, and re-review. I really appreciate it. We would appreciate it. I'll be back in just a couple of weeks, but in the meantime, go dogs. Go dogs.